Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shell. Today we are previewing Knicks Hawks and then answering your questions, including on a couple of potential trades and Emmanuel Quickly's future on the New York Knicks. How likely is he actually to be on the team at the start of next year? All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, what's up, guys? You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I wanted to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Dave. Download Dave today at dave.com slash LockedOnNBA. You can get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check. No late fees. And I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. And every day because we're now available on all platforms. So be sure to subscribe on YouTube and hit that notifications bell. And then if you want to take our relationship to the next level, uh, we now offer a subtext. That means if you subscribe, uh, we will send you our thoughts post games whenever there is a rumor on the New York Knicks and, and bits and pieces of analysis throughout the day. And you can come back with any question you want, whether it's on the Knicks or I don't, I don't know, your love life, uh, whatever, whatever you're feeling, even, even cooking. I love to cook. Um, but who's talking to you? I'm Kevin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcasters, favorite play-by-play broadcaster. The New York Knicks, unfortunately started the season. Oh, and one, they're going to look to right the ship tonight against the Atlanta Hawks. And I think this is a sneakily important game for the New York Knicks. Unfortunately, New York has not had back-to-back great seasons uh, this millennia. In fact, they haven't had back-to-back good seasons this millennia, right? We all remember how the Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier experiment went down. And now I'm not saying if the Knicks start 0-2, that'll be an inevitable descent into madness. But let's just pull up their next 10 games here, right? Um, The Hawks. Then they travel to New Orleans, and with the way Zion Williamson is looking, it, it, it's easy to forget, but we're talking about a team that was leading the Western Conference through about 35 games last year before Zion got hurt. Then back-to-back against the Cavs, that is going to be intense. I, I think it would be a solid result if the Knicks split those. Then you travel to play Damian Lillard and Milwaukee. You go to play the Clippers, who looked excellent in their first game at home. Um, Spurs should be a win. Victor Wembanyama is a freak of nature. Could change that. Charlotte, kind of the one game that you almost have to have in there. And I think people are underrating them this year. I think they're going to be, um, if not average, they're going to be closer to that than they were last year when they were just terrible. And, and then you travel to play the Boston Celtics in, in, a, in a game that we, we, we just saw how difficult that matchup is going to be this year. For the New York Knicks. I mean, I'm just mapping this out right now. You lose to the Hawks. You're looking at a very real scenario where the Knicks are three and seven after 10 games. James Dolan forbid it two and eight after 10 games. And all of a sudden this season where the Knicks are supposed to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference could be off the rails. There's also a very real scenario where the Knicks are eight and two or seven and three. Personally, I would take five and five. I would be pretty, I'd be really content with six and four after 10 games. This is going to be a challenging start. And, and the Knicks nominal advantage over most of the NBA coming into this season is their continuity from a year ago. The, the collective know-how, the, the fact that those relationships have been kind of forged in the fires now of playoff basketball and that Tom Thibodeau has a very consistent identity from year to year. And, and, and I, I think we saw that confidence over the course of the Celtics game, right? A, a team that was new together, a team that was was somewhat less experienced, 
might have fallen apart. And that could have been a 25 to 30 point. Celtics went in and said the Knicks battled back. They battled back again. They battled back again. And, and at the end, they didn't execute well enough. Um, maybe they didn't prioritize Emmanuel quickly, who was absolutely cooking well enough. But overall, they they just kind of lost to a better team down the stretch of a game. And, and I think that, I, I think there's a confidence with this team that just hasn't been there. And, and you honestly, you can't even say that it was there last year because they didn't know what they could do until they did it. And maybe they told everyone they did, maybe internally they had some level of self-belief, but I think once they got Josh Hart, there there was a faith that they could beat anyone on any given night. And, and maybe Miami shook that a little bit, but I don't think that's necessarily gone. That being said, it's still crucial that this team figures out what they are at their best. And I think that's going to be a process, right? Dante DiVincenzo looked, and this is something we didn't really get to talk about in the, in the post game recap. He looked a little bit uncomfortable still wasn't quite sure how and where he fit in. And it's going to be a challenge for him this year, because there's going to be a lot of nights where if he's not cooking right off the bat and someone like Quentin Grimes is cooking, he's only going to play 15 minutes in a game. And and when he, when he signed here for four years, 50 plus million, that's not what he was hoping for, right? Like he, he wants to be a guy who's out there 25 minutes a night. He wants to be a guy who's closing and he's going to have to figure himself out, find a rhythm in smaller minutes. That's going to be a challenge. Emmanuel quickly, like to his credit, he's very comfortable doing that, but there are going to be nights where if he's not hitting shots right away, like he's going to be pulled a little bit sooner. Quentin Grimes, like we'll, we'll get to it in the questions. Like there, there's a couple about him. Um, but I, I was kind of talking about last podcast how on a different team in a different context, you might have seen a 26-point game from Quentin Grimes against the Boston Celtics, and he might have shot 7 of 13 from 3. And, and and the scary part about the Knicks' depth is that someone who's as good as Grimes, as long as everyone else is healthy, he might not, never get a chance to show it because he could be electric, he could be hitting shots, and you could have a situation where the ball's just not necessarily going to find him. And and even when he's playing as, as well as he did against the Celtics, he only got 23 minutes and he won't necessarily get the time or the situational usage to show just how good and dynamic that he can potentially be. So let's circle back. Why is this game against the Hawks so important? Beyond just the schedule, I, I think it's crucial for the Knicks to develop a winning identity. And last season, that was wrapped in the brilliance of Jalen Brunson. Um, and it's going to be wrapped in that same brilliance again, but they couldn't rely on that in the first game and they had to find alternate paths of winning. And that's great to have, but with the schedule so tough, I, I think they're going to have to fall back on what Jalen Brunson does best, his ability to score um, on volume and to do so efficiently. And that's going to be an immense challenge um, with DeJounte Murray likely getting a lot of reps on him. And it's going to be interesting to see like something I was begging for last postseason. Like, can Quentin Grimes take advantage of a matchup? And he's probably going to have Trey Young on him this entire game. Do the Knicks want to go to that? Do they want to let him attack one-on-one? Do they want him to create offense? I'm going to say no, based on what we saw last year against Miami. But we, we, we've we seen Grimes' handle, right? We, we all remember the crossover he had the other night against Drew Holiday. If he can do that, and I know that was an impromptu play. It wasn't him going one-on-one and, and, and letting Quentin cook. But if, if he can do that against Drew Holiday, I would love to see what he could do against Trey Young with about four inches in height advantage, just being able to shoot over him essentially whenever he wants. Um, I, I think that could be a key element of tonight's game, but I think it's going to start with Jalen Brunson getting into the lane and making plays. And as good of a defender as DeJounte Murray is, as good as a, of a rim protector as Clint Capella is, I, I think he is going to have a slightly easier time tonight than he had the other night. Because this, and this is a Hawks team, though, 
that's going to be desperate because they also lost their first game. And, and you're going to see a real crunch in the Eastern Conference as you the talent is. I, I know there were people talking about the East being a little bit down from last year and the West being a little bit better. I, I personally think the depth of the East is about as good as it's ever been. The mid-tier is a little weaker and, and the top is stronger this year. But as we, as we go through this matchup with the Hawks, uh, you look for R.J. Barrett to repeat his game one performance, both his confidence, his composure, his ability to distribute the basketball. I'm hoping for more from Mitchell Robinson. I thought it was a relatively poor first outing and it's it's kind of been my concern about him for honestly his whole career until last year's playoffs and then it was reignited a little bit in the second round the ability to play up or down to competition and and we've seen um moments where he's just dominated weaker centers like i i think about whenever we played the pistons last year and he just rolled over there uh whoever they had at that spot And, and then there were moments where he plays like a greater opponent and he falters a little bit. And then that Cleveland series kind of eased my doubts. Jared Allen, reigning all-star from the year before, and, and Mitch just completely dominated him over the course of the series. Um, and then you get to that second-round series against Miami, and Mitch is nowhere to be seen. And last night against the Boston Celtics, like he, he had a couple of good moments. I was uh, maybe, maybe people saw a tweet about it. I was really proud of him. at had an offensive rebound and immediately sprayed it out for three, which is something that when, when DJ Zulo came on, Uh, to do his player preview we talked about quite a bit and that was really exciting to see that actualized um but overall didn't really have the impact you wanted on the game especially defensively I I don't think he was quite as good as I expect him to be and Isaiah Hartenstein was clearly the better option of the two this is a signature matchup for Mitch Clint Capella a center in a similar mold a center who honestly is kind of the best version of, of the of the rim rolling rim protecting guy who who doesn't do more than that um in the modern NBA or maybe, maybe I'm not thinking of someone, but he's certainly in that conversation. Um, this is a great chance for Mitch to come out and make a statement. It's a great chance for Hartenstein to come out and make a statement against maybe the other best backup center in the NBA in Onyeko Okongwu. Uh, big for the Knicks wings. Would love to see Josh Hart um, do even more. He had a nice game shooting the ball, made a couple of big hustle plays. Didn't really get going in transition the way that you hope. I mean, the Celtics did a good job defending against that, but I'd like to see a few more live ball turnovers. I'd like to see DiVincenzo get out and running. I think that could be a fantastic way to get him going. Um, there, there are multiple paths to the Knicks winning this basketball game, and 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 they start with Jalen Brunson going off and, and the Knicks replicating what the Charlotte Hornets did in the first game of the season against the Hawks and limiting Trey Young and, and, and not necessarily limiting him in terms of his statistical output because, look, if he wants to, he's going to find a way to get to 30 points, but ensuring that's on something like 10 for 27 shooting in, instead of, I don't know, 14 for 21 shooting from the field and, and just making points hard to come by and limiting the Hawks' secondary options because they have – a bunch of talent across the board, but a lot of guys who are very inconsistent night to night. And I think if the Knicks defend with the same focus um, they did against the Boston Celtics, they're going to do a fantastic job about that. I see uh, we've gotten a question we got uh, from King John 1985, or more of a comment. I think it's better to attack Trey Young. I certainly agree with that. I, I think whoever he's guarding, the Knicks should absolutely go at him. Um, and we are going to continue with some of the questions you guys asked pre-show last night. Um, but before we get into that, um, I wanted to tell you about one of our newest friends here at Locked On, our buddies over at Dave. Um, so Dave is an incredible new service and app um, we talk about here at Locked On at one time or another. We all need a little financial help. That's why Dave is great. Dave can get you cash 
when you need a hand between paychecks and help you build credit by settling extra cash advances on time. Dave is the banking app that's level, leveling the financial playing field. When you download Dave, you can get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. It's part of Dave's extra cash account. Advance the money you need with no interest and then settle up later. Extra cash gives you more money to buy groceries, fill your tank, finally get your car repaired or catch up on bills without having to wait for your next paycheck. You can even build credit when you settle up on time. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to make their finances easier. So if you're in a pinch, get the help you need by downloading Dave. Download Dave today at dave.com slash lockdownmba. That's dave.com slash lockdownmba. You can get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. Download the Dave app now or go to dave.com slash lockdownmba. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal eligibility criteria instant transfer fees apply banking services provided by evolve member fdic and we also wanted to tell you about our good friends over at chase medical um unfortunately in our modern world we are increasingly dealing with uh natural disasters whether that's a fire whether that's fires in hawaii hurricanes and tornadoes in florida earthquakes across the globe. And those natural disasters can lead to supply chain shortages for medications or the inability to get medications in a timely manner. The Jace case is the solution. It's a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. You can also customize your case and add life-saving medications based on your unique needs. Jace Medical now offers customizability for your Jace case with dozens of add-on medications, and you can choose the medications that best fit you and your family's unique needs. They also offer gift cards. You can buy a gift card for family or your loved ones so they can get a Jace case of their own. All you have to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter promo code LOCKDOWN at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code LOCKDOWN at J-A-S-E medical.com. All right, with that, we are back on Locked On Knicks, and I wanted to uh, take some of your questions uh, before we continue. And uh, let's start off with uh, one in our YouTube comments. Thanks for that, at JazzPrince4447. And he wants to know, have teams figured out how to stop Jalen Brunson after a spectacular season last year? And is this who RJ really is? And do we need to finally accept it? Both had a really hard time playing their shot in the paint after probing for it, and it's not good. All right, so I am going to call this an overreaction from my guy, Jazz Prince 4447. Uh, I think if Pat, if, excuse me, if Eric Spolstra, who is the best coach of the NBA and, and is, is far and away the best playoff coach in the NBA, right? A game planning mastermind who is consistently able to reduce the impact of the best players in the NBA. If Jalen Brunson was able with, with his season on the line, and zero help, able to throw a efficient 37-5-5 on the Miami Heat over the last three games over those series, I'm going to I'm gonna stake a claim and say that he has not been figured out by the NBA at large, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that a step further. I don't think there is a way to figure out Jalen Brunson. I don't think there's a way to, quote-unquote, solve really any superstar in the NBA, and I think Jalen Brunson, um, despite the fact that he's never been an all-star team, despite the fact that he's yet to make an all-NBA rightfully belongs in that category and cemented himself in that category with his playoff performance last year that was about as good as anyone's in the league, not named Nikola Jokic or, or arguably Jimmy Butler, at least at least the first round version of Jimmy 
Butler. That being said, this was the first year where teams had a offseason of film of Jalen Brunson as the number one guy on the team. What that looks like, um, how that feels. Um, and they've had a, a full summer for some teams that's four or five months to devise countermeasures to Jalen Brunson. So there are going to be new wrinkles in terms of how teams defend him. I, I thought the way the Celtics defended him was really, really smart. And it was, it was borderline like allowing some penetration, but putting size on him and having backside contests and having whether it was Drew Holiday or whether it was Derek White, like jump from the back. And you had a seven foot three guy at the rim in Chris Stapps Porzingis to further contest and alter those shots. That being said, on a lot of nights, those shots are still going to go in for Jalen. First night of the season, little bit of rust. You got to remember, he did not get a ton of work in the preseason coming off of Team USA. He, he looked particularly poor in that game against the Washington Wizards. Clearly did not quite have his rhythm. And to me, I think it was less so that he was still trying to find his rhythm against the Celtics. So it's probably a bit of that. These game speed is just a different thing. And it was only really his second game playing at full-on NBA speed. But I think it was more so he hasn't found his confidence yet. And his confidence probably took a little bit of a ding with what was a subpar summer with Team USA. And then you add in the fact that, again, Boston has pretty ideal personnel to go at him. Opening night at the Garden, I think it was just a bad game for Jalen Brunson. I think he's going to come out, and we are going to see him look awesome tonight, again, against one of the better guard defenders in the NBA um, in DeJounte Murray. So, Fair question, but I, I think one that will be answered in very short order. As for R.J. Barrett, um, I actually thought he was fantastic. I know he wasn't super efficient, but at some point, we are going to have to accept that that is part and parcel to the R.J. experience. And if he shoots well from three, as he did last night, if he shoots well from the free throw line, as he did last night, or I guess two nights ago at this point, I am okay with some inefficiency from R.J. Barrett. He doesn't have to cook every single moment every single night because that's unfortunately like probably not who he is but I thought there were some encouraging signs especially that finish around Kristaps Porzingis um he had another one where he kind of got by I think it was Drew Holiday and then took a bump near the rim and and was like halfway falling down and still able to put in over Luke Cornett those are shots that he just he wouldn't have hit consistently his first couple years in the league now is he going to make them consistently or was it just a hot night because we've seen hot nights from RJ before I don't know. That's a question still to be answered, but I thought his process was good. I thought his passing was good. I thought his defense really, really stood out and was very solid and was much closer to what we saw in the playoffs than to what we saw in the regular season last year. So I don't have a lot of issues um, with that uh, night from RJ Barrett. All right, uh, let's get to our next question. It comes from our friend, uh, Bilo Selhai, our buddy at swing underscore trade 55. And he wants to know Milwaukee and Giannis will regret, or he wants to comment anyways, Milwaukee and Giannis will regret trading Drew for Dame. I think they'll have fewer wins this year, plus they made their number one competitor better. Like, they didn't know Drew was going to a top competitor. Um, RJ for Portis, Bobby would help us. Um, all right, this was asked uh, before the game last night, so I think I think Damian Lillard gave a pretty good answer on his own. I'll, I'll let the performance speak for itself. As far as RJ Barrett for Bobby Portis, I, I, don't, I don't know if Milwaukee would do that, and I, I'm pretty certain the Knicks would not do that. I think just as a talent play, it's not something you can justify. Um, and I don't think Portis would play enough to justify it. He would only have about 15 minutes of action, and I don't think you would see him and Julius Randle playing together a whole lot, giving Tom Thibodeau's preferences, so I don't I don't think that is something that would be very likely to happen. All right, uh, next question comes from Robert Currens at Nixtape2005. Why was RJ so much more effective versus Tatum defensively than Grimes? Because Grimes 
being considered a far superior defender should Tibbs trust RJ Moore versus bigger wings? Uh, this is a good question. I would have to go back and watch the game. I can't say um, on initial watch. I thought RJ was dramatically better than Quinn Grimes was in that matchup, but RJ is two, three inches taller than Quinn Grimes and, and has about 20 pounds on him. So there, there are reasons that RJ is going to do better against bigger wings. There are reasons that when they're both on the floor, RJ is generally going to get the bigger wing. And I think it'll be interesting to see all year how Tom Thibodeau juggles that because we saw stretches, especially like the first, like half of the first quarter where Quinton played perfect defense on Jason Tatum, literally couldn't have done anything better. And, and Tatum still hit the shot because Tatum's four inches taller than Quinton Grimes. And he's fantastic at turning over uh, that right shoulder and, and putting the ball up over his head and, and draining it with, with a guy in his airspace. And, and that is going to be the one thing that prevents Quentin Grimes from getting 20 to $30 million this offseason. Like if, if Quentin Grimes had his same skill set and he was six foot eight, we'd be talking about a four year, $120 million contract for him and, and, and extension for him. And that is if he doesn't improve, if he gets better, that might be more like $35 million a year, but because he's six foot five, it limits his value a little bit because he's not an ideal matchup. For someone like Jason Tatum, you can throw him on Jason Tatum. He's going to bother Jason Tatum. He's going to get a couple of steals in that matchup. But doing it possession after possession over the course of a full game, Tatum is too good and he's, he's too aware of how to use his size to take advantage of someone like Quentin Grimes. All right, uh, we're going to come back with uh, more exciting questions in just a sec on Locked on Knicks. Um, but before we do that, I wanted to tell all of you guys about um, our buddies over at Prize Picks. So, what is Prize? Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports DFS platform in all of North America. We're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less than two to six players' stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. So, that is my favorite part about prize picks, right? Because I've tried other forms of daily fantasy and I think I'm pretty smart about sports. I, I spend way too much time on it. I'm constantly reading, constantly learning, and yet I would almost always lose. And, and it finally clicked for me. Oh, wait, I am going up against dudes who live in their mom's basement and, and have a statistics degree from MIT. I don't know. Does MIT offer statistics? I would assume so. A statistics degree from MIT and they have a system and they are putting in hundreds and hundreds of bets. And there is just no world where me with my degree from Arizona State is going to be able to compete with that. It is just not going to happen. I am going to lose that battle 10 times out of 10. And the beauty of prize picks is I never have to fight that battle. I'm just going against the daily stat projections. Uh, prize picks is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. They offer quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, an enormous selection. This is what's so cool about them of players and stat types. And it, it's what ultimately makes prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. They also offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like taco Tuesday, each Tuesday prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. And, and this is perhaps the single coolest feature of prize picks with the prize picks reboot policy. Your entries stay in play. Even if one of your players gets injured for NFL games and CFB top 25 matchup. If you have a player exits, the game of the first half and does not return the second, the player is rebooted. Prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury in 
insurance. So go to prizepicks.com, just locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first time deposit match up to $100. One final time, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a daily, for a first deposit matchup up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All righty. Uh, let's wrap up with some final questions. Um, let's see what we got in the chat. Um, it is good to attack Trey Yums. Grimes would be OG if he was six foot eight. He would be OG with JJ Reddick's jump shot if he was six foot eight, which again would be a 30 to $40 million type of player. And uh, King John 1985 also wants to know what type of moves do you think the Knicks will make at the trade deadline? Um, I'm going to tie this in with a, another question we got. And that was one about our buddy Emmanuel quickly. Let me just make sure I can find it. It comes from Michael Shane at, um, at Nebsuk. I think I'm doing that right. Percentage chance IQ is still on the Knicks next season. Um, so I think that would ultimately be the trade deadline move for the New York Knicks. It would be trading Emmanuel quickly because this is a fairly complete roster. So barring some kind of substantial injury specifically to Julius Randle, I don't really think the Knicks are exceptionally inclined to make a move on the margins or move similar to Josh Hart last year. What I think could happen is either a really small move, maybe for like a ninth or 10th guy or just like a rookie someone else is disgruntled with or something at the back end of the roster for cap machinations, or they could make a really, really substantial move. And that would most likely in my mind be training Emmanuel quickly or training a bunch of guys for a superstar. Now that is less likely those type of trades Rarely happen at midseason. I, I don't see someone like Joel Embiid or Donovan Mitchell, who the Knicks are, are likely going to be trying to hold on to as many assets as possible to make a move for someone like that. I don't really see those guys being available midseason. I, I think it is extremely small chance. But what I think could happen is Emmanuel quickly, if he's playing extremely well, and then a star of that caliber or, or, or like a lower end star, like maybe a Pascal Siakam, um, that's as likely because you, you really wouldn't want to mix him and Randall. Maybe OG Ananobi is available, and the Knicks um, just want to switch out quickly for someone they think they have a better chance of retaining. And Ananobi is also going to be a free agent this summer, so he might not be the best example, but just the first name that came to my mind, um, the Knicks could ultimately go ahead and make that swap. As far as the the odds that Emmanuel quickly is on this team next year, I, I think... I, I think it's almost dead even. I think it's 50-50 because if he plays, you know what? No, I'm going I'm to say 60-40. He's still on the team because I, I think if he plays exceptionally well, he would nominally price himself out of the Knicks, except for the fact that I think Leon Rose would would even 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 with a contract filled with provisions designed to, to make life uncomfortable for the New York Knicks, I still think Leon Rose would bring him back because you don't want to lose the asset for nothing. And as long as it's a contract that could be dealt for even one first-round pick, um, and it doesn't interfere with other stuff you're doing this summer, which is which is a very substantial caveat. Um, you're going to bring him back because you just don't want to lose the asset. And I think, as we saw yesterday, he is a fantastic player who makes the Knicks substantially better. And if the Knicks lose him for nothing um, and they don't find a replacement that is honestly like a all-star or near all-star level guy, they are inevitably going to be a worse team next year because what he brings from a defensive perspective, what he brings from a composure perspective, what he made brings from a big shot and, and just kind of uh testicular fortitude perspective, like I think is very, very hard to find and replicate. And he is a special talent and the positional overlap between him and Jalen Brunson is, is kind of the one really bad bit of bad luck 
that the Knicks have had the last few years and, and something that um, is going to have to be resolved. And, and, and if you ask me if he's on the team in four years, I think that's like a 20% chance. I, I don't think he's going to be on the Knicks forever, but I think the Knicks are going to want to keep him and are going to want to include him in a star trade down the road. Or, or if he's really as good as he is yesterday, maybe, maybe one day they would, I'm going to whisper this part because it's, it's, it's something that is crazy to say. And I don't really see it happening. Maybe, maybe they'll trade Jalen Brunson and keep Emmanuel quickly. That would be, that would be pretty wild. All right. Uh, let's see. Final few questions here. Um, hi guys. We still need to trade Randall or RJ. If Grimes is in our future, he needs 15 shots a game. True. Right now he's fifth in the pecking order. Shot wise, Brunson, Randall, RJ, IQ Grimes, RJ slash Randall are poor pairing. IQ is more OB malpractice by front office. All right. So I'll, I'll take these one by one. Uh, Randall or RJ. I, I, I kind of agree with the notion that long-term the Knicks are not going to keep both of them. I, I think they are a poor fit next to each other. I think they'd both benefit from not playing with the other one and just having like a shooter at that spot, at that position, whether it's RJ with a stretch four or Randall with a three who can really shoot the ball. Um, so I agree with that. I don't think it's going to happen this year. I'm not even sure if it'll happen next year, but I do think eventually um, one of those two guys will no longer be on the roster. Um, next question. If Grimes is in our future, he needs 15 shots a game. I don't necessarily think so. Would I, would I like him to have 15 shots a game? Yeah, absolutely. That would be fantastic because he, I've, I said it this off season, I think Grimes getting 15 shots a game is going to be more efficient than RJ Barrett getting 15 shots a game. It might even be more efficient than Julius Randle getting 15 shots per game. And I just want to see what he can do because there is real upside there. And, and look, you could say that about Emmanuel quickly. Um, you can even say that about someone like Jalen Brunson. You can say that about RJ Barrett. Like all these guys are still young, but I think Quentin Grimes has more room to grow just because he hasn't given a chance at that role. And I desperately want to see what that looks like. And I, I think honestly, it'll dictate um, who ultimately goes out in a star trade to see what that looks like. And my biggest fear with both Quentin Grimes and to a slightly lesser extent, Emmanuel quickly, because he gets to show it is that one of those guys will end up on another team and they will be an all-star and the Knicks will regret never having a chance to show it. So two buy low sell highs, final point um, IQ being OB malpractice by the front office. I don't think so. I think they saw an opportunity to sign Jalen Brunson, and that was before Emmanuel quickly showed what he could be. Now, was it on Tom Thibodeau and, and a little bit on the front office that he didn't get to show what he could be um, because he didn't play enough and uh, freaking Alec Burks was playing over him at point guard? Yeah, that, that's on them. And, and look, if he had gotten a chance to start the second half of that year, maybe they ultimately don't bring Jalen Brunson in. But how could you argue that it wasn't a good move to ultimately bring in? Jalen Brunson. And, and now you get a chance to figure out what you have. And if, if the worst case scenario there is that quickly is traded for multiple first round picks, that's not the end of the world. Um, do I want him on the team? Would I have liked to have seen a world where I think, I think by low sell high um, asked in this other question that I, I just put up on the screen. If you're, if you're watching on YouTube, um, it would have been cool to see quickly in Grimes as a backcourt for 12 to 14 years. I mean, two guys who are incredible defensive players and can more than hold their own offensively. That would have been a lot of fun. But Jalen Brunson is a certified star. I still think he is going to make an All-NBA team this year. And Emmanuel quickly, for as good as he's been, hasn't proven that he can do in the playoffs. Jalen Brunson absolutely has. So I'm, I'm not going to call that malpractice by the front office. I, I just I, I think it's honestly, it's a product of them almost being too good at their jobs that they have two potential all-star point guards on the roster. So on that happy note, we will wrap up this edition of the Locked on Knicks podcast. I'm going to try to do more of these live streams throughout the season. I, I really, really enjoy them. 
Um, but thank you so much to all of you who tuned in. Um, and uh, we'll be back uh, tomorrow with a recap of Knicks Hawks. But until then, be good. Talk to you soon on Locked on Knicks.